Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. Stellantis playing the Grinch, pulling a fast one at their Jeep plant in Toledo. Over 1,200 to be laid off. Latest jobless numbers out, and we're seeing a jump in manufacturing. And today on the show, the general president of our presenting sponsor, Labor's International, and the latest from the Valley Labor Report. Welcome to the Monday, December 11th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. We have two guests today, and we're going to start things off with Mr. Brent Booker, the general president of Labor's International Union of North America, national website, liuna.org. Brent became the 11th general president of that union on May 1st, proud University of Virginia graduate, third-generation member of Labor's Local 795 in New Albany, Indiana. He's also the son and grandson of Lyuna leaders. Growing up, he saw the difference that a union membership made in people's lives, often lifting entire families out of poverty and into the middle class. A little more background on him as secretary-treasurer of the North American Building Trades Unions. He had that position from 2012 to last year. And in that position, he helped strengthen and modernize this broad federation of 14 building trade unions in the United States and in Canada. Brent also served as secretary-treasurer of Helmets to Hard Hats. He negotiated labor agreements that generated hundreds of thousands of work hours for building tradesmen and women on a variety of of construction projects, and that includes offshore wind farms, microchip, semiconductor manufacturing plants, railroads, heavy industrial, and major civil infrastructure. Man's got a lot of talent, no doubt about that. And this being the last month of the year, we're going to review his eight months as general president. We'll take a look at some of the highlights, and we'll take a look at uh, 2024. Brent has been very proactive the last couple of months, and he saluted the Biden administration for creating seven, count them, seven clean energy hubs with $7 billion in public investment, and that's from the bipartisan infrastructure law. We're also going to talk about the lead pipes. There's a proposal to remove all lead pipes from our nation's drinking water in the next 10 years. That will create a lot of jobs. And we'll talk about uh, immigration. There's so much to talk about with Brent Booker, and he'll be our first guest on the show. Our second guest on the show is Jacob Morrison, no stranger to America's workforce. He is a co-host of the Valley Labor Report. The mouth of the South, he and Adam Keller started this about three, three and a half years ago, and it's gaining steam. The website is TVLR. Dot FM, TVLR.FM. Good news uh, from Jacob. He uh, just got promoted. He is now the president of the North Alabama Labor Council. 
And we'll talk about the UAW and their plans to organize auto workers in the South, which could change the labor landscape. Alabama is one state that has more union density than a number of uh, southern states. So there's good things happening in Alabama. By the way, uh, Jacob, we should mention, too, is a member of AFGE Local 1858. So Jacob Morrison will be our second guest right here on America's Workforce. Now, look into the world of labor. The segment brought to you by Boyd Watterson Asset Management. $17 billion in assets under advisement, serving the needs of Taft-Hartley funds, corporations, public funds, endowments, foundations, as well as religious organizations. Non-farm payrolls rose by 199,000 in November, which was slightly better than the estimate of 190,000 and ahead of the gain in October. October was 150,000. That means the unemployment rate is now at 3.7%. That's pretty low. Average hourly earnings, which is a key inflation indicator, increased by 0.4% for the month and 4% from a year ago. So on average, you're making 4% more today than on this day in 2022. That's on average, which when you factor inflation, inflation right now is about 3.2%. So just a little bit ahead of uh, inflation. Healthcare was the biggest growth industry, adding 77,000 jobs. Other uh, big gainers, including government, 49,000, manufacturing, 28,000. But manufacturing is skewed a little bit because the auto workers went back to work, and that kind of jinxed the numbers from the previous month. This all prompted a comment from Scott Paul at the Alliance for American Manufacturing. He said uh, factory jobs rebounded nicely in November, reflecting the successful resolution of the auto workers' strikes. Overall, manufacturing hiring has been relatively flat over the past year, and that is concerning. Scott goes on to say there's a record amount of new factory construction underway, which bodes well for the future, but, but, the Federal Reserve's interest rate policies and subsequent impact on the economy are dragging down a sector that is an engine for economic strength. In fact, the Federal Reserve Board, I believe, is meeting this week. Word is that they'll probably hold the line on interest rates. We'll find out in a couple of days. Now, here's a sad story. Stellantis, parent company of Jeep, has announced plans to lay off up to 1,000 225 workers at their Toledo assembly complex. The company's announcement comes about a month after the automaker reached a new contract with the UAW. Although local 12 in Toledo, they voted it down as part of the new contract. The use of so-called temporary workers will change at the plant. Stellantis said it will transition from what they call an alternative work schedule to a traditional two-shift operation. This will lead to the loss of jobs. Layoffs could include up to 1,225 employees and occur as early as February 5th. Now, over 90% of them, 1,094 
are supplemental employees. The remaining 131 are production operators and team members. Now, from what members at Local 12 are saying is that the supplemental workers who are part-time were, according to the new contract, supposed to become full-time employees in the next 90 days. Well, guess what? That's not going to happen. This is really, really rotten. Now, Stellantis is not admitting to that, and they never will. They're blaming this on the emissions in California. Now, California has very strict standards, so they're blaming California for this. Also affected is the Mac Assembly Complex in Detroit, which will transition from a three-shift operation to a two-shift operation. And layoffs are expected there as well. Now, Senator Sherrod Brown, who we featured on the show just on Friday, was quick to comment on this. This is what the senator said. This is devastating news for auto workers at the Toledo Assembly Complex and their families right before the holidays. And I'm deeply frustrated that Stellantis made this this decision at a time when the company is making record profits. I am pushing to get more details from Stellantis and we'll keep fighting to ensure that any laid off worker gets the support and benefits that they need and deserve. Now there are about 5,500 unionized workers at the uh, Toledo plant while Stellantis workers overall voted to approve the contract. Again, Local 12 said no, and they suspected something like this just might happen. And sure enough, it did. Tesla's troubles with labor unions in Scandinavia deepened as it lost legal action against Sweden's postal service over its refusal to deliver license plates to the company. This is a really fascinating story. The Postal Service workers blocked Tesla license plate deliveries late last month in a show of solidarity with mechanics striking over the company's refusal to sign a collective bargaining agreement with employees, which is customary in Sweden. So Tesla took legal action while CEO Elon Musk branded the move insane. But a Swedish court ruled last week that post-Nord that's the company involved here, will not be forced to deliver license plates, at least not for now. Possibly more concerning for Musk, however, will be the sympathy strikes spreading through Scandinavia as fellow unions coalesce their support behind the region's deeply entrenched principle of collective bargaining. Big difference in Europe. Big difference with unions. Union members across a host of Swedish industries have joined the secondary strike action with members of trade union IF Mittal, who have been embroiled in an ongoing battle with Tesla for around six weeks now. Earlier last week, Denmark's largest trade union announced its own sympathy strike to prevent Tesla cars being delivered to Danish ports and transported into Sweden. Norway's largest private sector union then on Wednesday announced its intention to begin blockading vehicle shipments destined for Sweden starting on December 20th, which is what, next week? Finnish Transport Workers Union, their union is called AKT, they confirmed that a blockade on Tesla vehicles earmarked for Sweden would also come 
into force. And that date is also December 20th. This is amazing. The chairman of AKT said collective agreements for workers were, quote, an essential part of the Nordic labor market system. Meanwhile, as if this wasn't enough, one of Denmark's largest pension funds announced that it would sell its holdings of Tesla stock over the U.S. company's refusal to enter into the agreements with labor unions. So a lot of problems for Tesla in Europe. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Brent Booker, General President of Labor's International, coming up next. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferens. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. The Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council, consisting of eight ironworker local unions in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan. We build the skylines and bridges along the Great Lakes. With more work than ever before, the Great Lakes District Council is actively searching out the next great ironworker. Whether it's building the next Intel plant or constructing a bridge to safely connect our great cities along the lake. So join the Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council today. Find out how and learn more about the council by visiting IWDistrictCouncil.com. This portion of the show brought to you by the International Union of Bricklayers and Allied Craftworkers. For more information, please visit BACWeb.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at voidwaterson.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at uaw.org. A great union requires a reliable election system. Survey and Ballot Systems is a trusted election partner with more than 30 years of expertise in managing union elections. By partnering with SBS, your union can ensure it gets an auditable process and a high level of customer service. SBS is here to help you conduct your union vote securely, transparently, and with trust building always in mind. Visit SurveyAndBalladSystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at ifpte.org. Now... Back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. AWF Union Podcast. Let's go to line number one and welcome back our presenting sponsor. That would be Labor's International Union of North America. On May 1st, Brent Booker became general president following the lead of Terry O'Sullivan. And today... We're just going to look back at the last eight months, which just seem to have flown by, and take a look at uh, what's going to happen in 2024. We're talking about a union here with 500,000 members strong. Lyuna.org is a national website. Brent Booker, welcome back to the show. 
All right, let's start right there. How's the last eight, almost eight months? How's it feel here as general president of this powerful union where workers feel the power every day? Go ahead, my brother. Thanks for having me on. It's, uh, it's been great. It's been a great eight months. I feel like we, got, uh, we hit the ground running. Um, in some aspects, I feel like uh, May 1st was yesterday. In other aspects, I feel like it was a really long time ago. So we've been out hitting the road, meeting with members, meeting with contractors, uh, meeting with our, our local unions, district councils. And uh, it's, it's been a great eight months and uh, looking forward to the next eight months. Well, I know it was a smooth transition. I mean, Terry O'Sullivan, uh, boy, he held the reins for, for over two decades here. Maybe you could speak to that transition. And uh, let, let's get into some of the things that happened in 2023. Can we can we start with the transition first, Brent? Go ahead. Sure, yes. And and look, I've, I have uh, inherited an unbelievable union, um, and that's because of leaders like Terry O'Sullivan and and uh, in the board, you know, before I got here. And, and, and he's been with me every step of the way. He, he helped me uh, figure out how to be a general president. And uh, there's still, you know, times where I need advice, I need counsel. Like you said, he, he's done this job for 20-plus years. And uh, to have him a phone call away, his dedication, his passion for uh, our union, our members, and the labor movement has been uh, uh, a huge advantage for me as, as I just got started in, in, in my role as general president. Now, one of the things that Terry was a big stickler on was organizing. And, you know, they devoted a lot of money in Lyuna to, to just that. And I'm sure that's going to continue under your leadership. I'm just wondering, you know, this has been a banner year for unions, Brent. You, you know that. I mean, there's almost a million union brothers and sisters sitting on new contracts right now because they raised their voices. There was a militancy in, in labor. Biden on the picket line at the UAW. And just imagine that. A lot of good things happening, specifically for LIUNA members. Can we talk about that? Let's, let's talk, with, uh, talk about organizing. Can we start there? Yeah, and, and you said it at the beginning. Uh, our union has invested a tremendous amount of resources into organizing, and that's not going to change. We're going to continue organizing. We're going to continue leading the labor movement in our investment in organizing. And, and, and you see the gains of other workers in other industries, whether it was the UPS near strike uh, from the Teamsters uh, to the action of UAW over the summer, the, the Writers Guild, SAG-AFTRA. And like you just said, the, the President of the United States walked on a picket line. Uh, he has said the word union um, more times than all of the other presidents combined. And he doesn't just say it, he believes it. And, and we firmly believe, I firmly believe that, you know, a rising tide raises all ships. And, and you see, you know, what's going on in this country and workers standing up uh, saying enough is enough. It translates into our own bargaining. Whether or not we're on picket or not, or on strike or not, doesn't, doesn't reflect whether or not we had a good agreement. And, and these contractors, these owners, uh, these developers, we want a fair deal. And, and we know they've got to make money, um, and, and they've got to be able to go on to their next project. But we just want to make sure our members have a, uh, have a piece of that pie and, and a cut of the take um, and, and continue, uh, you know, growing this union. I'm just wondering, in, uh, in the eight months, almost eight months since you've served as general president, have you had the opportunity to, to travel around you've got a lot of locals around the country and in canada as well i'm just wondering have you been able to visit them and and hear what the what the members are saying has that opportunity come up for you at this stage 
I've I've made that in the first week of being general president. I went out to my home local in, in Indiana and went to the district council meeting in Indiana. Uh, have gone to the East Coast to uh, to Boston. Uh, met with you know our, our locals on job sites in Boston. Went underground in New York City. Went to a 72-story building in Chicago. Uh, went to a mail handler facility in New York. You know a public employee project in Chicago. So. For me, you know, I, I can I, I I've got to get out into the field. I've got to get to the job sites. We represent construction workers, public employees, mail handlers, and and I try to get out there and listen to the members, have a two-way conversation. I want to tell them what I think. More importantly, I want to listen to what's important to them, and and listen to to what matters to them. Listen to you know their own personal stories and how you know our union changed their lives and and what our union can do to make sure that they stay in the middle class, uh, have a health care, have a pension, have a wage that allows them to, to have a house, to have a, a, a new car, put their kids through school. So that's where, you know, that's where I get energized. That's where, you know, I find myself, you know, trying to spend as much time as I can out in the field, meeting with our members on the job site where they're at. And Brent, if you don't mind, what's the first thing that comes up in that conversation? I, obviously, you've been doing a lot. You're trying to connect with as many members as possible. And what's the first thing that comes out of their mind? I know inflation is a big issue in America, but in, in your in your words, what, what are you hearing right now, Brent? The best way to fight inflation is have a job that pays you well. And, and when I meet with our members, the, the first thing they talk about is, is that they've been working for a long time. Um, and, and they went through a lot in COVID, and, and they were on the front lines. The construction industry didn't shut down. Uh, so hear those stories of, of what they went through, you know, during the, the, the year of COVID and the health and safety protocols that, by the way, being in the union had better protocols on union job sites than there were with their brothers and sisters on non-union job sites. So I hear from them, you know, having a job, how important it is um, to have a job, to, to make the money that they're making, to be able to afford the things that, uh, you know, that they need. And, and they, they raise concern about inflation. Um, but again, the, the best way to, to make sure that inflation doesn't affect you uh, is to have a job. And, and overwhelming majority of our members have a job right now. Yeah, yeah. And it looks like that's going to continue, especially with the policies that came out of Washington. I was reading uh, earlier about these clean hydrogen jobs. Maybe we could get into that. I understand that... Uh, the uh, Secretary of Energy recently announced the creation of seven clean energy hubs with $7 billion in public investment. Can we get into that? Because, I mean, there's, there's a thirst for energy in this country. And uh, I'd like to get your perspective on this. This sounds pretty exciting. It is exciting, and uh, the timing of your question uh, matches up well with my calendar because uh, I met with the Secretary of Energy last week in which we talked about the hydrogen hubs and, and what impact they're going to have, uh, not only on the climate, um, but on, on jobs and, and remaking these, these industrial facilities, these industrial hubs, uh, capturing that hydrogen, using that hydrogen, um, transporting it in pipelines, using uh, you know, the, the industrial world as it is today, and, and modernizing it. And that's going to, again, this, that's a... That's a policy from this administration um, in which they are using clean energy, but they're making sure that they're not just good jobs. This administration is making sure they're union jobs. Right. Uh, and, and each of these hydrogen hubs, 
you know, we're going we're gonna to be at the table and, and have the opportunity to negotiate a collective bargaining agreement, a project labor agreement, a community workforce agreement to ensure that these are good union jobs uh, in these hydrogen hubs. You know, Brent, what's amazing to me is the fight, the political fight in Washington on, on things like this. We need to create more energy in this country. But there's some that, that feel that the government shouldn't be involved in that. Uh, I'm sure you've been in the middle of a number of these discussions. I mean, you worked at NAB2 for a number of years with uh, Sean McGarvey. And, uh, you know, getting this message over to politicians, you know, we have to invest in the future of America. This country is growing by leaps and bounds population-wise. And, again, we get back to that thirst for energy. What's the problem here as far as connecting the dots with some of these folks on these issues? Because I know you've been in the middle of these conversations. Can you speak to that? Yeah, I mean, and, and look, we've, we've been fortunate in the first two years of the Biden-Harris administration that they passed uh, generational legislation, whether it was the infrastructure bill, um, the chips and science bill, the Inflation Reduction Act. All of those bills have, you know, a component of either national security uh, or energy. And, and, you know, the first two years of the administration was getting these bills across the finish line. These last eight months that I've seen with my own eyes, I've been on projects funded by the infrastructure bill. I've been on, you know, solar projects, you know, where our members are making a prevailing wage working under a project labor agreement that I can draw a straight line that is because of that legislation and the Inflation Reduction Act. We've got hundreds of laborers in New Albany, Ohio right now uh, working for Intel. And, and those are real people doing real jobs um, that came as a direct result of real pieces of legislation, you know, that, that this administration has done, you know, under the leadership of Chuck Schumer, under the leadership of Nancy Pelosi, that, again, these aren't just good jobs. These are union jobs. And uh, we're, we're excited for, you know, the next decade of work that, that each of these uh, bills are going to create for, for our members. And quite frankly, that's how we're going to grow our membership. And that's how yeah. we're going to have uh, a lot more than 500,000 members. That's that's what workers want, and that's what America wants. Brent Booker on our live line today, general president of our presenting sponsor. That's Labor's International Union of North America. Do check out the national website, liuna.org. Lots of good stuff, a lot of good information and videos as well, liuna.org. We'll continue with Brent later in the show. We're going to check in with Jacob Morrison, co-host of the Valley Labor Report based in Alabama. A lot of organizing going on down there as well. Back in a few minutes. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's liuna.org. Are you an experienced mechanical insulator looking to take your career to the next level? Insulators Local 50 in Central Ohio has steady work for a number of years. Insulators Local 50 offers a total wage and benefits package that can't be beat. It's not just the competitive wages. Local 50 also provides medical, vision, and dental insurance 
with no paycheck deductions for you and your family. Don't miss out on the chance to secure your future. Join us at Insulators Local 50. Earn great pay and the best benefits. Visit insulators50.com forward slash AWF50 to fill out the online form and a local 50 representative will call to begin the process. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at cwa-union.org. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at teamster.org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The, the United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the US, US, Canada, and, and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steel workers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at liuna.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity, here's what you do. Just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always, always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency, ulagency.org. Let's go back to our live line. Rejoin Brent Booker, General President of Labor's International, liuna.org is your website. We're looking back at 2023. Brent, I want to take uh, this segment here to talk about uh, what your goals are for 2024, which is right around the corner. You kind of touched on organizing. I mean, Liuna's done a bang-up job on organizing. You're at, what, 500,000 strong I'm sure you've got a couple of uh, figures in your head. Maybe you can discuss some of these. Maybe you don't want to discuss. I don't know, but I'm picking your brain here. You got to be thinking about the about 2024, which again is going to be a politically charged year. It's going to be a huge year. So, uh, what are your goals? Can we start there? I mean, my overall goal that I announced maybe on day one uh, of of taking uh, taking the reins as general president was to double our membership. Um, and, and getting us to a million members. And that's not going to happen in one year. Um, that's going to happen, you know, over the next decade. Uh, but we've got to put the, lay the foundation for that growth um, and, and starting in this year and, and moving to next year. And, and one of the initiatives that, that we've come up with is a program called Labor is Rising, where I'm trying to capture 15,000, you know, union volunteers to go talk to other union members, um, to be activists in their community to be activists in their local union and, and, you know, hit the streets again, meet, meet our members where they're at and have other members talk to other members um, about the things that are important to them and their community uh, within the local union and, and within politics. Brent, if you don't mind, I want to pick up more on organizing, especially in the South. And, you know, it's a, it's a different environment there. You're dealing with a lot of right to work States. I'm just wondering, do you, have you and your team formulated any plan to uh, go in there. I know you have a number of locals down there. 
You want to double the membership nationally? Well, that's probably a good place to start. Any thoughts on that that you can share with our listeners? If we are going to, let me rephrase that. When we double our membership, it's going to be because we were successful organizing in the South. And there's opportunities. And, and right now we have, we have a lot of work in the South. We do, you know, all of the a majority of the maintenance and construction work um, for Alabama Power, for Mississippi Power, uh, for Georgia Power. Um, we do a, a lot. Of, we do all the work for the Tennessee Valley Authority, who, who has work in the south. And, you know, so there is a, a misconception that we don't have any presence there. We have local unions, like you said. Um, and we've got, you know, members going to work right now for major utilities today, this morning. They, they put their boots on and they went to work. So we gotta we got to build upon that base. We have, we have a solid foundation there, but there are challenges. There are right-to-work laws. Uh, there are, you know, there, there are regulators who are doing everything they can to keep unions out. But this momentum, um, this idea of unionism, unions poll higher now than they ever have, especially among yeah. young people. And we got to capture that, and, and we got to take that and, and get those young people who are interested in being in a union to join our union and, and go to work and, and, uh, and, and be productive members of society, of their community, and give back. Seize that momentum because it's been a very, very good year for labor. No doubt about that. I, I got two more things I want to throw at you. Number one, lead pipes. We're seeing still too many lead pipes, and there's an opportunity here to change those pipes out. And we're talking jobs here. And I saw a release here from the Environmental Protection Agency a proposal to speed up that removal, protect Americans. And at the same time, create jobs. Brent, this is a monumental task. I know there's a big part of America that are still, we're still drinking, drinking water out of those pipes. So obviously there's a lot of opportunity in this sector, right? Absolutely. And isn't it amazing that we need the Environmental Protection Agency to say we don't need or we shouldn't be drinking out of lead pipes? Really? That's a no brainer. And, and, you know, there's been some money, uh, you know, put forward through, uh, the infrastructure bill, there, there's other avenues um, where, you know, we have the opportunity, again, in places where we have market share and some places where we don't, um, to show uh, those communities, to show um, those lawmakers, those regulators that working with Lyuna, working with other building trade unions on, on replacing lead water pipes is your fastest ticket to make sure that your kids are drinking clean, safe water. And it's, it's amazing that where we are as a nation that we still have people um, who have to drink their water out of a water bottle because the water that comes out of their faucet is through a lead pipe that's 100 years old, 70 years old, uh, certainly contaminated. So, you know, we're, we're ready, willing, and able uh, to deploy our, our thousands of laborers who are certified, who are uh, skilled and trained, who are going to work safely to, to replace those pipes that are are long overdue um, to be replaced. Long overdue. Brent, one more issue here, and that is immigration. And I know this is a, this is a sticky issue. There's, there's a, especially in the construction industry. And then you got undocumented workers. You got the H-2B visa program that's not protecting workers. You know, with uh, the politics of next year, you know immigration is going to be one of the hot-button issues. How do you see this panning out in 2024, Brent? Uh, unfortunately, immigration has turned into a political issue. Immigration used to be bipartisan. Um, there used to be agreements across, amongst, you know, 
lawmakers on both sides of the aisle uh, to come up with comprehensive immigration reform. And, and we need that. We need both sides to compromise. We need, you know, uh, lawmakers to figure out, you know, what's best. And, and as an organization, um, Layuna, we're for comprehensive immigration reform. I believe, we believe, you know, that there are solutions out there. Everybody's going to have to compromise a little bit, um, but let's stop penalizing the worker. Let's stop penalizing the migrant who's coming to this country uh, who then gets taken advantage of by an unscrupulous employer. Let's put penalties out there for employers who are taking advantage of these migrant workers. Our union was founded by immigrants in 1903. Um, we welcome immigrants into our ranks, but there has to be a process. Uh, and there has to be a way uh, in which these workers are treated with dignity and respect, and there has to be a way in which these employers and the lawmakers who are making you know, these ridiculous laws or these ridiculous statements be held accountable um, for the abuses they're taking on migrant workers. Brent Booker, General President of Labor's International. Lyuna.org is a national website. Go there and you can feel the power. Started in 1903, 120 years ago. We're talking about a half million members. Labor's International Union of North America on the forefront of the construction industry, powerhouse of workers who are proud to build the United States as well as Canada. A lot of projects happening right now with Lyuna brothers and sisters. Brent, you take care. Great conversation. Best of the holiday season to you, and we will talk in the new year. How's that sound, brother? Sounds great. Thanks for having me on. Happy holidays. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Jacob Morrison in the Valley Labor Report. Back in a few minutes. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with Lyuna. Find out what it takes for Lyuna to keep America running at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. Hire union musicians. Call Music Talent of Cleveland at 216-881-1802. Call Music Talent of Cleveland as your dependable source for professional musicians in Northeast Ohio. Union musicians add harmony to weddings, elegance to parties, and uplifting music for all events. Music Talent of Cleveland contracts solo and ensemble musicians as well as bands and orchestras for single engagements. So hire union musicians. Call Music Talent of Cleveland today. 216-881-1802. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at usw.org. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Heat and Frost Insulators Labor Management Cooperative Trust. Find out more at insulators.org forward slash LMCT. Union members need to be heard. Reliable and convenient union voting has never been more important than it is now. Make voting easy for your membership by working with survey and ballot systems. 
SPS offers encrypted and monitored solutions that ensure your elections are accurate and accessible for every member through mail-in, online, and in-person voting. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com and take the next step in getting secure and auditable elections. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Ironworkers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. Before we get to a Jacob Morrison, got to do another shout out here for Scott Paul and his team at the uh, Alliance for American Manufacturing. We had uh, Scott on. Last Thursday show talking about the Made in America holiday gift guide, which has gifts from more than 200 companies that manufacture products in the United States of America. And in honor of the guide's 10th anniversary, they've included both new gift ideas and old favorites. And uh, there's some uh, there's some companies that have union recognition. One of them, I might add, is United Steelworkers and the Louisville Slugger. Greatest baseball bat in the world. No doubt about that. So uh, do check that out, AmericanManufacturing.org. Let's go to uh, line number two. Welcome, a dear friend. Been doing a lot with the Valley Labor Report. Jacob Morrison is co-host with Adam Keller, and uh, they've had a banner year. They started, uh, what is it, three, three and a half, four years ago? When did you start the Valley Labor Report, Jacob? That's right. It was about three and a half years ago. Uh, in May of 24, it'll be four. Now, let me ask you this, and congratulations on becoming president of the North Alabama Labor Council. That's that's a cool thing. But to start something like this is a leap of faith. Let, let's start right there. And, you know, we, I wasn't here when they started America's Workforce. I was actually doing FM radio at the time, rock radio. Hmm. That was in 1993. I took over the reins here in 98, and it's been a, it's been a really good year. But when you started it, what take me back to that time? Did you, you know, reach out to Adam, the two of you together, brainchild, brainchilds of uh, of uh, the Valley Labor Report? Yeah, well, you know, um, I uh, I actually started it with with another brother, uh, David Story. He was uh, at the time president of the local machinist union, and um, you know, we uh, uh, we just really felt like there was not enough. Uh, public understanding about, you know, what unions do. And so we wanted to try to do what little that we could to, uh, to, to combat that lack of uh, knowledge. And we wanted to do more than just have a podcast where people, where, you know, only people that know us or people that like what we would have to say are going to hear us. Uh, so we really wanted to be on the radio and, uh, you know, we even really wanted to be on conservative radio, uh, especially because, you know, being in Alabama, there are, for better or worse, a lot of folks, uh, the, <laughs> a lot of our members listen to, you know, conservative radio. Um, and so I knew uh, some people that had had uh, weekend shows on the local conservative station before, and I talked to them. They got me in touch with the program manager. I figured out how much it would cost, and so I went around to the um, uh, to some of the local unions and said, "Hey, you know, I think we think that this would be a, a good idea for us," and and they agreed, and and so they gave us uh, they gave us uh, the money that we needed to get started, and 
And the rest is really kind of history. Uh, I think that, you know, we've really built up the project um, uh, pretty significantly since then, and, and we're really proud of what we've been able to do. I'm talking to a lot of a lot of folks and bringing a lot of information to these uh, to folks uh, in our radio audience that they would have never heard otherwise. You know, uh, believe it or not, the station that Sean Hannity started on is not educating people on their uh, <laughs> on their right to organize unions. So no. No, not at all. And, you know, you could thank deregulation for that, that there was a time in radio, and I could speak to that because I started back in the early 70s. It was called Equal Time, and we didn't have these, you know, crazy right-wing shows like we have today because the landscape has changed. The rules have changed when it comes Mm -hmm. to broadcasting, and that's kind of why we're doing the podcasting now. So. You know, where there's a zig, you got a zag. Hey, when did Adam come on board on the Valley Labor Report? He came on board about a year after we got started in 2021. Um, okay. Uh, David wanted to take a step back to, uh, you know, be able to spend some more time with his family. Um, and so so he took a step back, and, and Adam uh, took over for David, and, and he has been a really great addition to the program and been uh, – uh, you know, been been really great to have him on board. So. TVLR.FM is a website to go to for the Valley Labor, Labor Report, TVLR.FM. So uh, 2023, we saw a lot of uh, good things happen with unions. This show's exploded. I mean, we're in the top 1%. At the beginning of this year, we're in the top 15%. So I would assume the Valley Labor Report, you're, you're getting a lot of hits. You're getting a lot. And I know you did this marathon here a couple of weeks ago. So you're obviously creating some excitement down there. Can you speak to that? Yeah. Well, you know, like you said, uh, last year was really a, a banner year for, for unions in the country. Um, the, with the UPS contract, uh, the UAW strike and then their contract. And now, uh, the new stand up 2.0 campaign is really generating a lot of excitement. Uh, they just announced that they've already got a thousand cards signed at Volkswagen in Chattanooga. Uh, so the, it's, uh, really exciting time to be a union member um and uh we have you know people have been tuning into us more than they had before as well we uh shot up especially on youtube we're more than 10 times what our listenership was at this time last year so uh really pretty explosive growth um and uh and and we uh, love to see it uh really <laughs> really like to see uh folks taking an interest you know not in us, but in what's going on and what working people are up to. And, uh, and we are just really honored to be able to, you know, lift up those stories. And and like you said, we, uh, we just finished a marathon live stream about a month ago, raising money for striking workers in the South, uh, raised over $15,000, talked to dozens of different people from, uh, you know, my national union president, Reverend Everett Kelly came on, spoke to us. Uh, we talked to rank and file, uh, union members, uh, we had folks call in that are, uh, you know, trying to unionize their workplace, uh, trying to, uh, win a first contract. And, um, you know, it was, it was a really, uh, a really great, uh, a really great event. And we're really proud to have done that and, uh, been able to get that money to them. Everett Kelly, president of uh, American Federation of government employees. I'm jealous on that one. We, we had him on the show. It had to be about a year and a half ago and, uh, he's a hard one to get. So congratulations, by the way, uh, 
Jacob Morrison is a member of local 1858 of AFGE. You mentioned the auto workers, and if you don't mind, I'd like to pick up on that because, uh, you know, Sean Fain is targeting the non-union plants, and we all know they're located in the South. I think there's 13 of them all together. In the meantime, you know, they know they know what's coming. You, you saw they're, they're raising their wages, uh, some of them 10 12% right now. I'd like to get mm-hmm. your perspective because you communicate with a lot of those, uh, those auto workers in those non-union plants. So what do, you, what do you see happening there, Jacob? Well, I'll tell you one, one anecdote. Uh, a brother of mine in the Labor Council said uh, when this you know, when this popped off and, and Sean Fain announced the new campaign, um, he knows that this fella uh, knows a lot of folks that works at the Toyota plant here in Huntsville. Um, just a hop and a skip away from where I live and work. And um, and so he, he went to talk to uh, the fellow that he knows over there. And uh, <laughs> this guy that works at the Toyota plant was like, Man, I've already signed cards, and so have all of my coworkers. So uh, that's a really, really exciting thing that you know, just the random uh, you know workers at Toyota are. Uh, a lot of them are already ahead of you know some of the some folks who really have their ear to the ground in labor, and, and uh, you know are typically the ones telling folks what's happening. Um, so that was a, a really cool thing to see, and uh, I'm looking forward to. Both with the uh, with with the radio show and with the labor council, um, playing as much of a part in the campaign as we can. You know, like I said, since the Toyota plant is in our listening area, um, we're definitely going to be reaching out to the UAW and trying to have them on as much as possible in the new year. Um, and with the labor council, you know, we're uh, uh, what. Me and a couple other of the officers are um, we're interested in trying to make our general meetings more of uh, something like a public affair um, and in encouraging the public to come and learn and listen and have guest speakers talking about their experience. And we would love to be able to uh, uh, get the UAW and Deb Wakely um, to come to our first public meeting to talk about, you know, Deb talk about his report about the auto industry in Alabama and get some folks from the UAW to come and talk about what they've been able to win at the big three and what they're doing at the non-union automakers right now. Speaking of Dev, yeah, thanks for that tip on him. We had him on the show last week from uh, Alabama Arise, and it was a really good report. If you Google Alabama Arise, the state of working Alabama, and they focused on the uh, the non-union auto industry in the South. And Sean Fain said, if they organize those 13 companies, they'll double the membership in the UAW when it comes to the auto sector. Now they're in a lot of the colleges and the public sector as well, but they have 150,000 mm-hmm. auto workers at the big three. They can go to 300,000 if they do that. That'd be huge if and when they're able to organize these non-union automakers. And for one reason, exactly uh, for the reason that you said, a lot of these uh, automakers are in the South. Because of that, you know, this is going to be really the most serious and legitimate attempt to organize the South since the CIO's Operation Dixie in the 1940s. Um, wow. So this is a really big moment for, uh, you know, for auto workers, for Southern Union members, and for the labor movement as a whole, you know, because the South has for a long time been kind of the Achilles heel of the labor movement, the last stop on the way to Mexico. And uh, so if we're able to, uh, uh, if we're able to put an end to that, 
um, it's going to be it's going to be huge. And Jacob, you're in the middle of it all. Jacob is the new president of the North Alabama Labor Council. That distinction came down uh, last week. He currently served as secretary treasurer. So congratulations to you on that uh, that promotion. And uh, how many how many labor councils are there in Alabama right now, Jacob? There are seven labor councils, seven labor councils and uh, one state federation. Wow. Okay. So obviously you as president, uh, your goals for 2024, again, it, we had a nice warm up here in 2023 with all the organizing, all the new contracts. I don't know if you know this, but there's close to a million brothers and sisters, a million brothers and sisters that have new contracts, double digit wage increases this year. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like that. I like that a lot. I'm sure you do as well. So uh, with the uh, with this new position, how do you uh, how do you see 2024 right now? Yeah, I, I mean, I exactly like you said, 2023 um, I think is going to serve as a warm up uh, because organizing these non union automakers is going to be a huge task, and of course, the UAW being one of the biggest unions, they have uh, more resources than a lot of other unions, um, but they're still going to need some help, and so we're going to do everything that we can uh, from the labor council perspective to uh, to help them out to you know attest to the value of unions uh, as we're talk- as they're talking to these other non-union uh, auto workers, um, trying to you know talk to them about our experiences, inviting them to our events, and uh, encouraging them to you know sign cards when the time comes, to vote yes when the time comes, and then uh, to get active in the in their union uh, to get a to get a good first contract because, you know, unfortunately, uh, just winning a union election is not, um, that's not really going to, that, that's not the thing that gets you a good contract. That's not the thing that gets you double digit raises. Uh, that's actually, you know, the start of the fight. And we want to make sure that folks are prepared for that and uh, that we're supporting folks uh, on during each of those stages. Jacob Morrison, co-host of the Valley Labor Report. Do check him out at tvlr.fm. Also a member of AFGE Local 1858 and president of the North Alabama Labor Council. You wear a lot of hats, my man. You take care. Be safe. Best of the holidays to you, and we'll talk in the new year. Okay, brother? All right. Sounds good. Take it easy. That'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Tomorrow, the Communication Workers of America and the Brotherhood of Maintenance Way employees. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.